I just want to lift your name on high, Jesus. Thank you for what you went through. So I thank you. Thank you, my Lord, that, uh, that we get, I get to speak about you today. It's just, it's an honor. And I just want to honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I, I don't know if you're tracking on the, the Bible project. We're in Hebrews at the moment. Um, and I'm going to focus on Hebrews 8 and 9 this morning. So I'm going to read it out first. But um, I'll just give you a little bit of a pretext to what Hebrews is all about. Um, so the, 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 the book of Hebrews, um, scholars believe that it, it could have been written by Paul. And um, I'd probably go, yeah, that makes bit of sense but no one's name has been put on the book of Hebrews it could be John it could be Luke um, but when you read the book of Hebrews you're kind of like ah oh, there's a hint of Paul in there somewhere I think but that's just a guess right but the, the letter is to to messianic Jews to, to guys who jumped ship and and is now believing in, in, the, in the risen Messiah and why this letter you have to ask the question why does this letter have to be written to them because they're looking at the temple, right? They're looking at their old ways. They're under huge pressure from, from their Jewish mates going. So they can see things still happening that they've, they've put their hope in before. And one of the big things that struck me today is all of that pomp, if I can call it that, all of that ritual, all of that thing that the Jews were doing at the time, it was all to deal with sin and it was quite serious. And... and We've got to talk about sin at times, and that's how serious sin is, that there was such an order and a pattern put in place to deal with sin before God. And I, I got a sense in some of the commentaries that I read, there was a sense, there was a hint of, that's what they were worried about. They, were, they, they weren't really believing. They had to keep on going over the message that Jesus died once and for all, and that's why even, even the writer of Hebrews says, can we just move on? Can we just once and for all agree that this is it, lads? Can we now kick on to maturity and not go over the same story again? It's done. It's dusted. It's finished. And even that terminology is in the book of Hebrews. And I, I actually really, even though I'm, I'm not a Jew and I wasn't a Jew, I can really relate to them. right? Because sometimes I go slip into immaturity and still, oh man, you know, I need, I need the milk, you know, the infant milk of, of the gospel, which is good, which is fine, absolutely fine. But it's interesting that the writer says, you've got to kick on to maturity. So I'm going to let the scripture do, do, do a bit of work this morning uh, rather than me. So I'm going to read uh, chapters 8 and 9, right? So if you have your Bible, please uh, do uh, scan with me. This is from the NLT, the New Living Translation. So Hebrews 8 says here, here's the main point. We have a high priest who sat down in the place of honor beside the throne of majesty, of the majestic God, on the, beside the throne of the majestic God in heaven. There he ministers in the heavenly, heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest, since there already are priests who offer the gifts required by the law. They serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when Moses was getting ready 
to build a tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. And he's discussing there about the pattern of the tabernacle, the the intricacies of the tabernacle. But now Jesus, our high priest, has has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would be no need uh, for a second covenant to uh, to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, this is what he said. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I've made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They will not remain faithful to my covenant. They did, not, sorry, they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will, I will make with my people of Israel. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not... They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. When God speaks of a new covenant, it means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and will soon disappear. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in the tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called a holy place. Then there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were the gold incense altar and the wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the ark were a gold jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that had sprouted leaves, and the stone tables of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of divine glory. Those wings stretch out over the ark's cover and the place of anointing, of atonement, rather, sorry. But we cannot explain these things in detail now. When these things were in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people that had committed in in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. This is an illustration pointing to the present time. For the gifts and sacrifices that priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience, uh, conscience of the people who bring, bring them. For that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. 
He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place once for all and secured our redemption forever. There's a lot in there, right? So I'm going to try and unpack that, but we're going to try and unpack that together. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, where I, I've done a, a, a few sheets here that shows the old covenant versus the new covenant, and this is so important. Just think of it. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why did God give Moses specific instructions around a tabernacle? And I sat with that and I dwelt on that when I was doing this work during the week. And I was like... I wonder if it was, what was going on in heaven? What was happening? And then you see that God instructs that the pattern is so important. And then in Hebrews it tells us that it's a shadow. So a shadow is a mimic. A shadow sticks to you and it's a mimic. It never breaks, but it's a mimic. It's not the real thing, but it's a, it's a mimic. And why was it so meticulous that God had to deal with sin in that way? I, thought, I was like, well, why does this have to happen, Lord? Why could you not have forgiven us? Just you're so mighty. You're so amazing. Why did blood have to be spilt? We just forgive us, Lord. Scot free. Let us go. Sin is so, like, God has such perfect justice, such perfect system that it required a sacrifice, it required a cleansing, an atonement. That something needs to be done. So, if you, for example, imagine if you were in the courts of Ireland and one day a murderer was, was on trial and the judge went, you know something, actually just walk, it's no problem, go free. There's no recompense, there's, no, there's nothing, it's okay. We're just, today is the courts that we're just letting stuff go. In scripture you see that God is justice and is love. That's not love. And justice needs to be appeased and God has a perfect system. So perfect that he's put something very meticulous in place that something innocent had to take on our sin. And as the Jews, they, they, they had to stick to this meticulously, otherwise their sins weren't forgiven. And yet his, his system that he put in place was a, a mimic and a shadow of one, what was happening in the heavenlies. So there's a tabernacle in, in, in the heavenlies a place that God saw blood and said, yes, it's cleansed. And what I want to get at today is that's exactly what happened on Calvary for us. In, in Scripture, I, I've read so many times in, in the Gospels you know, um, that, that Jesus was preparing uh, at Passover time. That went over my head, that passed over my head. But think of the significance of this. The meticulous planning of God. If we are to believe that the tabernacle, there's a tabernacle in heaven. Imagine what's happening in the heavenly places when Jesus goes up on Calvary. Some scholars believe that he died at the very moment there was a sacrifice going on in the temple. Just think of that timing for a second. That there was a sacrifice going on in the temple. What was happening in the heavenlies was Jesus was saying, this this is done. I'm taking over. Once and for all, no more sacrifices are needed. 
That timing should hit you like a, like a brick. There's a reason for that. God timed it so well that his perfect spotless lamb died at the same time. Literally the handover happened in the heavenlies and we see the completion. Now that struck me like a ton of bricks. I thought that was absolutely unbelievably wow of the timing of God that this is what happened at Passover. And that's what happened when Jesus on Calvary took our sins away. So that's what we have. We have the perfect spotless lamb. So you have the old covenant and the new covenant. And what struck me in the old covenant and the new covenant, I still slip into old covenant. That's what religion is. I still slip into the ways of thinking. So um, so let me read out one or two things that are different in the from old covenant to new covenant. So in the old covenant, gifts and sacrifices were given by those guilty of sin. But in the new covenant, the selfless, a selfless and self-sacrifice by a guiltless Christ. And what does that mean for us? Is that Jesus died for you. And I don't want these words to land that, oh yeah, they're great, but they need to hit home. Like sin was so serious that the shadow of things in heaven had to be appeased. God's justice system, if we can call it, what it's just called in Hebrews, a new system had to be put in place. Old covenant had to be done away with and a new covenant been done. And then another one that hit me um, here is in Hebrews 9 it talks about limit, limited access to God. That was the old covenant. So the Holy Spirit was saying this is the line you know, only the, the, the high priest can enter this line. You know, we just sang about the veil. What happens with the new? You have unlimited access to God. Now, how does that land with you? Unlimited access to God. Do you feel that in your life? Because that's what's on offer. Because if you don't believe that, you're actually not aligning to what Jesus actually did. And that may sound harsh, but that's the truth. We have unlimited access to God because of what Jesus did. If we don't, why did he do it then in the first place? Then his sacrifice is not as strong as the scripture tells us. It's not a once and for all. There's something else that we have to do. It's not because you may still feel that you've, you're, you're unclean or, or something that you have to bring to the table or you have to get something sorted before you can enter the Holy of Holies. That's not what God says. God says you can enter because you put your trust and your faith in Jesus. So what I want to do, I do want to do something different, um, which I'm hoping will go down well. I'm hoping that you'll, you'll, you'll partake in. I'm going to just hand out some of the, um, the, some sheets, right? So what we want to do is, I'm just going to pair up. So um, Terry, if you, if you guys can turn and face each other now in a second, just talk about two things. There's two questions. That I want to ask. Which one of these really hits your heart and go, yeah, that's, I like that one? Which one of these, Old Covenant versus New Covenant, that you struggle with? That you go, I, I, no, I don't believe that. Or I, I find that hard to believe. Or I never knew that. And what I want to do as a group, just for about five, ten minutes, is just talk about that. And then also pray for one another and pray over the truth. Pray truth. 
that it is true. And sometimes it's good for us to hear that and somebody else to pray that truth over your life. So, Una Mary, Gary, are you okay? To, to, and, and Neville maybe together? Is that okay? Yeah? Davina, do you want to join? Is that okay? And you three guys? Martin, Mags, and the two girls, is that okay? And then Leanne? And the, yeah, is that okay? Brilliant. So this is the first time we've kind of done something like this, right? Um, and it is a little bit of a tricky area right? because I did put you kind of on the spot. So my apologies, right? That it's kind of, you're, you're, you have to do something. You're actually now, <laughs> not me up the top, just talking and then I land that stuff on you, right? But I think it's useful. I think it's useful as a family, as a, as a community that we talk to one another around these things because you don't just get teaching from the top. You get teaching from one another, right? Real life stuff. Right, that where you hear, I just struggle with that. I, I, I don't. I, I'll give you my one during the week. Um, I was like, yeah, great. I get that Jesus died for me. Absolutely wonderful. It's it's, an, it's immense, right? But the whole unlimited access thing, I had to pray with that and go, okay, God, you know, either I'm not experiencing it, and I want to experience it more. What does that mean? No, not just words on a page. What does it actually mean for me, Lord? What did, you know? And then I started to, to meditate on, well, actually, if I'm not accepting that truth, I'm limiting what Jesus did. I'm limiting Him. I'm saying, I'm, I'm in somewhat way, not on purpose, but doubting the full-on sacrifice and the gift of what he, and the promises that are that are in Him. So I think it's a really big challenge. Before we go into communion, I just want to talk about a few other things. In Leviticus, um, it says that the, um, the high priest had to put his hand on the head of the bull, right? And this is what it says in Leviticus. He must bring the bull to the Lord um, at the entrance of the tabernacle, lay his hand on the head of the bull uh, that slaughter, and slaughter it before the Lord. But then it goes on to say how he should dip, his, dip the hand. So I, I looked at a lot of stuff why the high priest had to put his hand physically on the sacrifice, on the head of the sacrifice. And that is so he's, he's, he's identifying with the sacrifice. He's actually, it's like nearly a transference of going, now this is on you. This is, the, the sins of the nation are now yours. It's... I, you're identifying with the head of the bull. And I'm going to... One of the most difficult things I've ever had to do, and Derek Prince writes about this very, very well, is to drag my flesh to the cross in order to get that cleansing from Jesus. And really say, Jesus, actually, you know something? I need you to take my sin. I need to touch your feet. I need to touch you. I need to transfer it onto you. Now, for, you, for some of you might go, well, of course, that makes sense. I've done that. But I have to say, that is one of the key things in your Christian walk. You have to come to the, come to the cross and say, Jesus, if I, don't, if I don't identify here with you, you know, if I don't transfer, if I don't give it to you, if I don't recognize that this is what you're doing that for my sin? If I still think I've skin in the game, that I have to do something? It's not right. It's not good. And I, I do really find after, you know, after some conversations that I've had over the many years with Christians, 
we find that difficult to go, actually, I need to transfer, drag my flesh to the cross and say, Jesus, I, I need you to deal with this. I, I, I need to transfer it to you. Otherwise, I die, Jesus. I will, I will die. If I don't give it over to you, the times that I've, I've gone to places that I shouldn't have gone, the things that I've done, if I don't literally hand them over to you, Lord, and identify with you on the cross and transfer them to you so I'm spotless, I will die. And that hit me this week. I was talking to a friend of mine on Friday and uh, I was telling him I was going to do a, a bit of a chat on this. And he, he, rang, he rang me back about half an hour later and said, this is profound. This is, you know, and he explained the whole transferring of the, of the sin to the bull's head, that, you know, and the significance of that and the symbolism and the shadow of that. So Jesus in the heavenlies took your sin on him, walked through the tabernacle into the most holy of place in front of the Father with his blood and said, don't look on their sins anymore. I, I, I've taken them all. My blood have done, has, done the sacri- has, has atoned for their sins. This is why the Father's justice system has been satisfied once and for all. Past, present, present and future sin. Of course, we still have to confess all of those great things and repent and turn away. So we're going, to, we're going to go into communion now. And communion every week reminds us of that. It reminds us of those places that maybe we haven't allowed Jesus to touch us. We haven't asked Jesus to take over. And there might be places where you say, and this is a lie of the enemy, my sin is too big for Jesus or too dirty for Jesus or too manky. Or, oh, Lord, there's places in my heart that are just... Ick. That is a lie. Yeah, I don't know. Here, take this one. Take this one. Take this one. That is a lie of the enemy. Because if we don't believe that Jesus died for the most, and his, his sacrifice cannot cover the most heinous of things, then we have limited atonement. And that's not the case. Blood makes anyone spotless who turns to him. Any sin is expunged. So please, if you're here today going, I just find it difficult to take something that I'm struggling with to the cross. Please take it to the cross this morning and know that Jesus has already died for that. It's done. Anger, fear, anxiety, lust, you know, want for money, all of these things that you're that we're struggling with, we're all struggling with. That we go, Jesus, I just, you know, so I need to transfer it to you, Lord, because it's just, I need freedom, and He's offering us freedom with that, and that's what we remember with with the communion. So let's pray, Lord Jesus. We recognise that we need to identify with you. We need to take everything that is broken, is not right, and transfer it over to you. And Jesus, I just thank you that you've done that. I thank you. I, I thank you for the deeper revelation of this this week. That you have taken our sin. I can touch you on the cross and say, Jesus, I, I've been made spotless. I can't get my head fully around it, Lord. 
but I, all I see is you loving us and taking our sin away and satisfying a perfect justice system of the Father so that the Father can get me back. That I can be reunited with my Father in heaven. That he loved me so much that he satisfied his own perfect justice system with the blood of his Son. Jesus, I pray for a deeper revelation of that. I pray for a deeper knowing of that. Lord, we can't speak these words and let it not hit us. So Holy Spirit, please let it land. Let restoration happen. Jesus, as we take this bread and drink the cup, we identify with you. We identify with the new system, the new covenant, the one and for all. And Jesus, there's places in my heart that I sometimes think are too gross for you. I repent of that, Jesus. I turn away of not showing you places in my heart that you already know of. I just give them to you, Lord. I, I, I just give them. As, I, as we take this bread and drink this cup, Lord, I accept the spotlessness that I didn't earn. You just want to give to me because I've turned my heart to you. Jesus, you've said in, in Scripture that new precepts, new things will be written on my heart. In Ezekiel, it says, I will be given a new heart. Lord, I want that new heart. I want that to grow in me. I want to, to get deeper intimacy with you. I want a deeper relationship with you. I want to cut off the lies of the enemy, the lies of the world that is diminishing the cross of Jesus Christ. Diminishing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That was paid for in blood and pain. Lord Jesus, I recognize that you are the only way, the truth, life. I recognize you are the only reality. Lord God, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Drag, kicking and screaming, my flesh to the cross. Wrestle me, Lord, and win. I need more of you, less of me. I need my spirit, the spirit that you transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. I need that spirit to come back alive. And Lord Jesus, when I accepted you as a savior, it came back alive. But it's this tussle with the flesh, Lord Jesus, that it's just a struggle at times, Lord. So Lord, as we take this cup and eat this bread, we identify with you that you're in that mess with us. You're in that with us, telling us that you've won your victory. So Lord, I just pray over us this morning, the resurrection life of Jesus, of you, Lord, your life. You've come, you've cleansed us. Captives are free. We are free, Lord. And now you're restoring us to the full new heart. Show us, as the psalm says, show us, search us, and reveal to us where you are working in our lives. Jesus, as we just think over the next few moments here, as we take the bread and take the cup, show us what we need to bring to your feet and we give to you, where we need repentance, where we need turning away from. Lord, we turn away right now as we take your cup and we, and we eat your body in remembrance of what you've done for us, this spotless lamb of God.